0: You're listening to Go Rodeo. Keep an ear out
1: for us. Shocking, ridiculous, suspicious,
0: and fun. Welcome to the Perfect Flyers Club. You'll hear four stories, three of them true. But one of
1: the suspects is lying to you. Question and point the finger, laugh out loud. If you catch the liar, you can brag and be proud. L I A R. Perfect Liars Club. Liar. Perfect Liars Club.
0: Hey, welcome back to the second episode of Perfect Liars Club. Hey, Kara. Hey, Pierce. Uh, I'm super excited. We're almost famous. Are we already almost famous? Well, it was that one episode. It was that one episode. Yeah, it it was a good episode. Well, uh, for those of you listening at home or in your car or on your walk, we had this huge podcast release party at the legendary Black Cat. It was off the chain, as the kids say today, and we're still recovering.
2: You know, it did take a while to recover from that because it was, for one thing, it was very late. Our usual Perfect Liars Club shows are over by nine. This one didn't even start until 9.30, which is scandalous. And for another thing, it was not a usual crowd.
0: No, it was a rather, how should we say, boisterous crowd. Well, that's another way to, that's a more direct way of putting it. It felt like a little more of a stand-up crowd than a storytelling crowd. There was heckling. There was a little bit of heckling. A little bit of heckling. Um, It wasn't the usual, dare I say, cerebral Mm -hmm. Wednesday night crowd. Yeah, none of those drunk bastards were taking notes. (laughs) No, there were no notes. Uh but it's funny now that I'm thinking of this because the show you all are about to hear is kind of boisterous in its own right or dare I say body
2: body I was going to say it's a much dirtier show than we usually do it just turned out to be and when I looked at the cast list I would not have expected it they were unexpectedly body So the show you're about to hear was recorded in July 2017 at the Bear Baron, which is where we hold our regular monthly shows, the first Wednesday of every month. Bear Baron used to be the Brick Skeller, where yours truly had her first legal drink when she turned 21. Deeply traumatic. However, that was the Brick Skeller. The Bear Baron, totally different, much classier, no feathers, and you can catch us there the first Wednesday of every month, 7.30 p.m., Perfect Liars Club.
0: So this is how Perfect Liars Club works. Number one, you have going to hear four stories. Three are true and one's a lie. Then the audience are going to ask questions of our storytellers just trying to suss out who told the truth and who's lying. And then we put it to a vote. Once the votes are tallied, the true liar steps forward and... The audience always gets it wrong. Not always. What's our success rate? 18%. Not good, DC. Try harder, DC. Try harder. Let's do a better job spotting liars in the coming year, okay? And also flip the House and Senate. Thank you. There you go.
2: Let's bring out tonight's storytellers. I put my old lady glasses on. They call them progressives now. Please put your hands together for Kate. Kate is still waiting for her Hogwarts letter. Who isn't? Meredith. Meredith gets stressed about writing clever eight-word bios, which is what these are. Nate. Arguably Washington, D.C.'s funniest comedian. He wrote that himself. <laughs> and Rachel, conservative Texas sorority girl turned liberal feminist smartass. I love her. All right, then. Put your hands together one more time for Kate.
3: Okay. So I studied abroad in Barcelona, but the first several months I spent working on a research paper for the History and Literature, Literature Department at my college back home, which meant I spent a lot of time staying in and watching Four Seasons of Ugly Betty while I avoided working on my paper. And a few weeks in, the director of my program, Juan Ho, learned that I was researching the Spanish Civil War for this paper I wasn't writing. And he invited me to go on this excavation over spring break. It was run by a program called Aranzadi. And they got funding from the Spanish government to find unmarked graves from the Civil War and excavate them and identify the remains and return them to their family members, not unlike the hit TV show Bones, another program I'd been spending a lot of time with (laughs) while I didn't write my paper. And initially, this did not seem like something up my alley. Um, I don't like spending time outside. I don't like hard work. And this was not like the exotic fun spring break I had imagined when I signed up to study abroad in Spain. And on top of that, while I really liked reading about dead revolutionaries, I was less excited about meeting dead revolutionaries in the flesh. But Juanjo said that the program would pay for it and I wouldn't have to write a final paper for the class he was, I took with him, which meant you know, less things to aggressively procrastinate. So I decided to go. Um, four of us from my program went. We took the train from Barcelona to Burgos, where we met with the director of this dig named Paco. And pretty immediately, it became obvious that to Paco, we were huge disappointments. Um, He's asking us what we're studying, and he's like, medicina, and we're like, no. And he's like, biologia, and we're like, no. And he's like, forensi, anthropolica, uh, archeologa, and we're like, no. And he's like, well, then what do you study? And we're like, historia. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, you are not qualified. (laughs) What are you doing here? And this is a question I got really used to fielding when I started applying for jobs. But, but at the time, none of us had a satisfactory answer. So Paco launched into his next topic, which was how much he hated America. And he's like, America's the worst. Americans don't care about democracy. They only care about like military power and imposing their ideology on other people using force. And this was 2011, so I was like, hold on, like you are not allowed to talk to me like that. Like, I voted for Obama. Like, this isn't supposed to happen anymore. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, like, I can say this about my imperialist superpower, but like you can't say this about my imperialist superpower. And like, if we're going to like address people's like problematic political histories, I think we need to acknowledge whose dictator put a bunch of his own citizens in an unmarked grave that we're about to excavate. <laughs> Um, but while I was really good at ordering coffee, my class, Poetry of Spain, did not prepare me to like verbally defend the honor of my country. <laughs> so instead, I said, nothing. And then we um, travel with the rest of the team to the grave site, which is outside of this little town called Loma de Montija. And when we get there, it's just this big hole in the ground. I don't see any bodies. And for a second, I'm like, oh my gosh, Like maybe. Like it's all a mistake. Like we won't have to deal with any bodies. I can go home. Like get back to my rigorous TV schedule, and like I won't have to write this final paper. But then we start digging, and we find a body, and another, and another, until we've uncovered twenty-four bodies. So like woohoo, spring break! (laughs) Um, And. Um, so they're, like, mostly the bodies have decomposed and all their clothes as well, so it's just the skeletons and their shoes that are left behind. And they don't give us really any instructions except don't break the bones. And by day two, it becomes clear, like, I'm not cut out to be an archaeologist, like, I'm sunburned, I'm sore, I've never broken a bone in my life, but I'm, like, blindingly efficient when it comes to breaking other people's bones. And it's like I'm a bull in a china shop except the china shop is an unmarked mass grave and the merchandise is a bunch of like murdered socialists.
1: <laughs>
3: so by day three, I decide like, I'm not going back in that hole. So I execute this daring plan, which is when everyone else descends back into the pit, I hang back and decide that like as a historian, I'm going to talk to all the townspeople. They are getting like their DNA swab to identify the bodies. And you know, like I'll prove to Paco on behalf of history majors everywhere that like we do have like vital skills. <laughs> and I start talking to this old lady, and she's really nice, and it just so happens that her dad was mayor of this town when 24 people were taken from their homes, marched into the woods and executed. And she's saying, like, you know, like, he was conservative, but he was really good. Like, he tried to warn these people. He told them, like, you know, you have to leave the town or they'll kill you. And, like, this seems a little questionable to me, but, like, she's really nice and she thinks it's, like, great that I'm studying history and she hasn't said anything offensive about America. And, like, (laughs) and this is way better than, like, digging up bodies. So I say, that sounds reasonable. And then she's like, and you know, like the socialists weren't perfect either. Like they were backed by the Soviets. And I think we should all pause for a moment and acknowledge that if there's anything we've learned as Americans who aren't Donald Trump, is that you can't trust the Russians. (laughs) And then she's like, and you know, like the fascists, like yeah, they were murdering people who disagreed with them. But the socialists, like, they were like murdering whole convents of nuts. And I went to Catholic school and I was like, that is not okay. Like, those people are monsters, and like civil war is complicated, like there's so many sides to these stories, and like who knows what really happened. Like, fascists are people too. And then I realized this old lady with like minimal effort has incepted me into being a fascist sympathizer. <laughs> like spring break (laughs) and so the next day i decide that i'm too like weak-minded to keep talking (laughs) keep talking to the townspeople but i also really 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 don't want to go back into this pit so i take my travel journal and i decide that like my new role will be like self-appointed team artist um, and I haven't taken an art class since grade school, but like at this point, I've run out of legitimate skills that I can pedal, so I'm just making them up. And like I make a big show of like how I'm going to sketch the bones because I figure like at least this might count as performance art. And and Paco like initially is enthusiastic, but also like a little confused because like you know cameras exist.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it works for like a morning. But then after several hours, Paco realizes that I've been drawing the same bones for like three hours, and like there are lots of problems with like lighting and perspective that I won't get into. Um, and he sends me back into the pit to help like remove the bones and like pack them up to be tested. But it's okay because um, I don't break any. This means we're finally going home, and I managed to go the day without flirting with fascism.
2: All right, where are my Spanish historians at? There's a lot to fact check and sort of gut check in that story, but my favorite part was where Kate, I think she uses her hands really beautifully when she tells stories, when she like said the bodies were decomposing and like gestured to herself so you could get an idea of what she was talking about. <laughs> Yay, spring break. Um, okay, do not forget what she said, because it's a long way till the interrogation round, but you're gonna wanna remember. But in the meantime, put your hands together for Rachel. I'm
4: a little taller than Kate. So when I was growing up, there were two things that were really important to me. The first was Jesus, and the second was winning. And so naturally, the most important thing in my life was winning at Jesus, just being like the best Christian that has ever lived, ever. And so when I was really, really little, this manifested at being like five years old, and some of you guys might remember that Bible story where like Jesus is like calling the apostles off the boat, and he's like, if you just believe hard enough, you can like walk on water. And so five-year-old Rachel would like stand on the edge of the tub, and I was like, I believe. I believe, I deeply believe. And then I would put all of my weight onto the water and I would slip and like crack my head open. And I'm not smart, and so I didn't do this once. This happened like numerous times. I was like, I just haven't faithed it hard enough. Um, I was basically concussed for Christ as a small child. Um, I got a little bit older and that manifested in, you know I grew up in a, in a town in Texas where there were not a lot of non-Christians, so the closest thing we had were Catholics. So. <laughs> I focused really hard on converting my Catholic friends to like real Christendom. <laughs> so needless to say, by the time I got in middle school, my friend Karen invited me to go to this like weekend retreat that her church was doing. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Cause like, again, more, more retreats, more notches in the Jesus belt, killing it, winning at Jesus. So I show up and, you know, we're kind of there and I had never been to her church before. And I'm riding on the bus to this, you know, encampment that we're going to. And Pastor Mark, I don't actually remember his name was Mark, but he was totally like, he was totally like cool guy pastor, a youth pastor of the 90s. So like it was definitely pastor first name. He had like the frosted tips going on, like puka shell necklace, like cargo shorts, like he was just like cool as hell, like youth pastor. And I was like a newbie, so he like sat next to me on the bus and he's chatting with me. And he's like, you know, it starts out like the soft stuff. Like, you know, where do you go to school? Like, how would you come here? Da 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 da. But then he starts trying to dig deep into my soul a little bit. And he's like asking me, like, if I've accepted the Lord as my savior. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, I'm sorry. I don't know who you think you're talking to here, but like got it covered. He asked me if I'd been baptized. I was like, yeah, when I was like four. And then he goes, well, have you been baptized with the spirit? And that was not a phrase that I was familiar with. And so I was like, yeah, I've been baptized. And he was like, no, have you been baptized with the spirit? And before my brain could sort of like come up with something to say, like the pause and the like clueless expression on my face kind of gave me away. And he like kind of gave me this knowing smile and he's like, don't worry about it, we'll talk about it later. And I immediately panicked because I was like, he's treating me like I treat the Catholic kids. Like, I don't know how I got the question wrong, but, like, I am not Christian enough, and, like, I have to win at Christianity, so, like, this is bad. This is really bad. So we get in, and it's, like, early evening. This encampment's just, like, an hour away, and so we kind of do a little, like, before bed, like, church service, you know, bust out the guitar and all of that. And I immediately knew that I was in a different environment because I went to the kind of church where, like, 90% of our attendees were too old to even stand during the service, And this church, I mean, people were like writhing in the aisle, like everyone was crying. I was hearing like babbling that I didn't understand. And it was like equal parts intriguing and horrifying. (laughs) Like I was looking around. I was like, I thought I was really into it when I did this with my hand. But you guys are like seizuring over there. Like it's a whole other thing. And so I was lying in bed that night and I was really conflicted. It kind of felt like... I was like playing a video game and I had entered like a secret passage I was like I don't know if this is like a good thing like it's gonna be full of rewards or if like I'm about to be eaten by a dragon like I was like I don't know if these people are awful or if they're like the best Christians ever (laughs) so the next day you know we're doing like normal kind of camp stuff like you know group games there's like a ropes course and whenever conversations of theology would come up I kind of felt like I was an American in Canada And what I mean by that is that if you've ever been to Canada, like 95% of it feels like America. You know, you're like going around, and you're like, I got this. And so they're talking about faith stuff. I'm like, got it, Jesus, sin, salvation, faith, on it. But then 5%, it was like, what the fuck is that? Like, why is that sign in French, you know? What do you mean I don't have to pay for healthcare? You know, like it was confusing. And so <laughs> I learned some new terms that day. Like one of them was slain in the spirit, which I learned is basically like playing trust fall with Jesus. So like somebody would like tr- like touch your forehead and you would kind of like fall back and get overwhelmed. And I also learned that this whole baptizing with the spirit thing was like related to the babbling that I'd heard. And it's like speaking in tongues. I'd like heard that phrase before, but it wasn't something that like we did. But I was really intrigued and I was like, these people are super nice. This ropes course was awesome. I want to be as good of a Christian as, as all of them are. So we had our evening service that night, and I am just like trying to do all the things that I'd learned. I'm just like, I'm really going to feel it. And then this like language is going to come out. And I was told that your prayer language is like a secret language between you and God. And like you don't know what it means and other people don't know what it means, but Satan can't decode it. And I was like, I want to be bilingual. Like I'm not doing that well in Spanish. Like I got to have something going on. But I try and I try at the service, and like whatever the cool thing is that's making everybody like fall down and writhe is like not happening to me. And I go to bed that night, I'm feeling pretty discouraged because like I'm losing at Jesus, which is the double the double whammy of failure. So the next morning before we leave, we have like one final service, and any of you who have ever been to any sort of religious camp knows that like the final service is like the service. It's like it's all fun and games and puka shells and get to know you, but at the end, let's talk about your soul and how it's gonna turn out if you die. (laughs) And so we had the like very serious, like very emotional Sunday morning service, and Pastor Mark is like, who here wants to be baptized with the spirit? And I was like I do. Like I want like the thing that all these other people are having and so I go up to the front. And there's like a group of like I don't know 6, 8 of us, like a small handful. Pastor Dave is like going by each of them, Pastor Mark, Pastor Dave. We don't know. He's one of the two. He's going through, he's like touching all their heads and like saying stuff. And every single person is like getting slain in the spirit and like speaking in tongues and all this stuff. And what had prompted me to raise my hand was the Jesus part of me that wanted this legitimate experience. But as he's getting closer, the winning part of me starts to kick in. And I'm like, what if he gets to me and I'm like the only person that can't do this? And so I immediately go from trying to be in this emotional space to just like, how can I fake the thing that they're doing? <laughs> and so the pastor gets up close to me and he touches me and I just go, shabla habala hila, shabla hila, and I fooled everyone, it was great, it was like really emotional, and so people are coming up to me and they're like hugging and they're like crying and like this is a really emotional thing, and I'm like, yeah, it was awesome, I'm, like thank you. And on the bus home that day, I felt kind of bad because I was like, I've never like deeply deceived people about my Jesus experience before. <laughs> But then I thought back to the bathtub and I was like, all these times Jesus was supposed to catch me and he didn't, is it so bad that one time I pretended that he did? Like, is that the worst thing? And in the grand scheme of things, and the way that I've made peace with it now, is I'm just like, you know, Jesus bruised my head a lot as a child. And in the end, the only thing I did in revenge is bruise his ego. So that's all I got, thank you.
2: Oh man, there is no, no amount of religious extremism stories that I don't enjoy. Please give me your documentary and memoir recommendations on the break. Like if they're about like Mormonism or blood covenants or any kind of people who are kidnapped for Christ, I am 100% there. Because I'm too lazy to be an extremist myself, but I really admire it. Um, but what I'm really looking forward to is seeing Rachel try to proselytize to Kate during the break because now we know how she feels about Catholics. We know how Kate feels about nuns. I think it's going to be lit. I look forward to it. (laughs) But before that, please welcome Meredith to the stage. Meredith.
5: So in 2012, I was living in Austin, Texas, and I got a job in Washington, DC, and I decided to move here for that job which meant ending my very first romantic relationship and he was also the only person i had you know known in the biblical sense so when i got here i felt felt very behind i was turning 25 and i felt you know i needed to catch up in terms of experience and you know luckily dc is this like cesspool of dating where it was like a perfect place to catch up so i downloaded all the apps and i was like like, I, in a few months, I'm gonna be a master of sex. Like, no question, this is gonna be great. And, you know, as you probably can guess, it was not like that in reality. It was mostly just a lot of bad sex. Um but I did meet this guy, Chris, and Chris was, he worked on the Hill, or he was a political consultant. It was some sort of political job that he thought was, you know, a very big deal. So a little bit of a walking DC stereotype, but he was also very shy and timid and quiet. And just sort of meek in terms of like personality and appearance, and so he seemed unthreatening, and he seemed like a safe bet for someone to get some experience with. Um, so we hooked up a few times, but he was really, really never into it, and you know I didn't really know enough to question it and be like, you know, men usually like sex. But after a while, you know, I did I did decide to, to mention it, and I said, is there something you want to try to mix it up? Is there something a little bit different you want to do? You know, not that I really knew what that would be, and he. He got really quiet and he said all right well i've never told anyone this before but there's a box in my closet i want you to look at that box and i'm going to leave the room and then we'll talk about it and i was was like that's like a really murdery thing to say to someone i'd rather we don't even know each other i'd rather you just tell me what's in the box now so he's like Okay, well, I recently discovered that I'm very into pain. And I was like, that's totally fine. I totally know enough about sex to know that's totally a regular common thing. And I, you know, I, he seemed convinced. He seemed very relieved. I was happy to see that. And he goes and gets the box, and he starts naming what's inside of it. And I'm a little nervous, because I don't know all the things he's saying. And he starts pulling everything out. And it's like a ball gag, and like handcuffs, and like nipple clamps. And... Uh, I pick up something from the box. I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is cool like leather pom pom thing. And he's like, no, no, that's not it's not what it's called. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know it's not called that. Like we're just kidding. Like it's I totally know what's going on here. But he, he seemed like I don't know, I don't know whether he's just like ready for it. But he, you know, he seemed to be convinced. Um, so at this point, like a mature sexual partner would have a conversation about boundaries and expectations. Um, but instead, I went home and Googled everything. <laughs> Um and so when I was when I was in high school I was told that if you like looked up porn in the computer it would break your computer. And <laughs> I wasn't sure, but I didn't want to chance it. But then when I was in Austin, my boyfriend at the time said, Oh of course you can look up porn, but I suggest you use Bing.com because you know they don't track search history as much and nobody's ever gonna see your search history on there anyway. And so, you know, there I was at age twenty five typing in BDSM to Bing Videos and I pick a video on there, I thought one video would be a big enough sample size for this, apparently. And the video's like that's oh, like a guy in a swing and it's like a dark room, and a woman comes in sort of in a dominating appearance, and she has a lot of the stuff that Chris had shown me. So I'm like, perfect, like this is all I need, I'm just gonna study this. And she's saying a lot of degrading things, not just about him, but like about men in general. Like men are worthless, men are inferior, men are scum. And I'm like, that's that's perfect, like I can do that, right? <laughs> Like, I I think that stuff all the time. That can come straight from the heart, right? I think we can all do that. So I feel pretty good about this. So I show up at his house, and I try to have this, like, mean, intense, like, persona. And it's not coming super naturally, surprisingly, but, you know, I do. I want to keep an open mind, and I want to, like, embrace this. And, like, he has this secret, and he really wants to have this experience, and I want to, you know, I want to help him out with that and be part of that. So we get into it, and I'm using, you know, these objects... And he seems like he's in a lot of pain, and it and it's like makes me upset to be causing someone pain like that. Like I'm not enjoying myself, even if you know he is. So I'm like, okay, think back to the video. I'm gonna fall back on this degrading comment thing. So I'm like, you know, you you're worthless and you're inferior and, and men suck, and uh, he's into that. He's like, oh, you're right, I'm totally worthless, and I I'm taking it back, right? Like I mean, I, this is what he wants, but like I don't feel comfortable saying things like that. So, you know, I'm like, all right, I wanna you know, I wanna brainstorm a little bit, like what else can I do so it's like enjoyable for both of us. So I decided to just like root it in honesty and just like tell him things that I don't like about him <laughs> <laughs> I mean so it's hard to cause someone physical pain. It's hard to say things you don't mean. It's not hard to pass judgment upon people, like we all do it a lot, so I'm like, this is gonna and I thought this is what he wanted. All right, <laughs> I just preface with that. Um, so I was like, you think your job's important, but it's meaningless, and you're a, <laughs> yeah, you're a scrawny man, and the sex between us wasn't very good, and, uh, he stops abruptly, he, you know, pulls out his ball gang. <laughs> he's like, what are you, what are you talking, like, is this what you really think about me, and I was like, no, 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 like, I thought, like, is this not what you wanted, this is not how it's supposed to go? <laughs> So I never, you know, he never got in touch again, I'll say that much. Um, But I think it worked out for everyone. Like, I ran into him um, several weeks later, and he was, you know, with another woman, and he seemed like he was not eternally traumatized. So I think that's good. And, you know, I got to boost my sexual resume a little bit, add some new skills on there, some, like, marketable experiences. Um, But going forward, I slowed that process down a bit and kept unassuming strangers out of it. Thanks. (laughs)
2: I can't wait for the interrogation
1: round.
2: <laughs> now, tell me, Meredith, what is BDSM? Des- describe it slowly. What do you do with the B part? Um, <clears throat> as someone who... Uh, Meredith and I were just discussing our relative ages backstage before the show. As someone who has been in the cesspool of DC dating since Meredith was looking not looking at porn on her computer in... Um, <laughs> I'm fucking this up, hold on. As someone who's been in the cesspool of dating in D.C. since Meredith was not looking at porn on her high school computer in Ohio... Did you follow me? Uh, Everyone on D.C. is like, I've always had this fantasy that I want to be dominated, but I've never done it before. So could you invest in all these special equipment and outfits and lotions and unguents and then come to my house and really tire yourself out? Anyway, it's getting too personal. Let's... um, (laughs) Sorry for the intro, Nate. He's going to be fine. Please put your hands together for Nate.
6: Hey, great to, ooh, loud, okay. Great to see you guys. Um, So I just want to start this off by saying my younger brother came out as gay recently. Please give it up for him. I'm very proud of him and uh, he actually came out to me first and you know, I don't remember exactly what he said but he communicated to me, I'm gay, I know you'll be fine with it but I'm worried about mom and dad. And I just had to laugh because earlier that day I had gone to my hairstylist, gotten a mani-pedi and um, I said to Andre, Andre, you've been part of this family for 15 years and mom and dad have thought they had a gay son for 17 years (laughs) so i think it's gonna be fine (laughs) and uh there had been like clues anyway like back in the day when the whole family shared a computer andre had changed the background picture to a picture of Naruto and Sasuke, for those of you who watch anime. And it wasn't that they were in a sexual position, but it was like a very romantic position for two male characters to be in. So, like, eyebrows had been raised. And <laughs> needless to say, when he came out, most of us, we were all just like, okay, we're glad you finally came out because we've known for a while and we're glad we don't have to tiptoe around this anymore. Uh, And I think once Andre figured that out, he got very comfortable and uh, he started doing things that maybe were beyond our comfort zone. Like uh, my sister and I have moved out of my parents' house long ago, so Andre has a bathroom to himself. And that's fine, except when I stay there, it's the bathroom I use, and one night I was brushing my teeth, and I looked over, and behind a shampoo bottle, I thought I saw the top of a penis. And I was frightened, because a surprise penis is never a good thing. (laughs) And so I investigated, and I found out that there was a dildo there, and I... Andre had bought a dildo and kept it in the bathroom for convenience. And I'm fine with that, very accepting. I was like, I love my brother, I'm just gonna adjust to seeing a dildo when I brush my teeth or take a shower at my parents' house. So a few months go by and I'm taking a shower in there, I'm not feeling very well. So I'm like, shampooing my hair, and I reach for the bottle of conditioner, and I put my hand around it, and I was like, wow, the bottle of conditioner feels thin today. And there's a bump, almost like a vein running up it. So then, and I've got like shampoo and stuff in my eyes, so I'm not really looking, I'm just like, you know, rubbing the top of it. And I'm like, well, where's the lip on this thing? And then I finally was like, well, it must be upside down. So I turned it over and some balls hit me in the wrist. So then I screamed and dropped the bottle, or the dildo, sorry. And uh, so I was kind of standing there and like, I want to be clear, not the first dildo I've ever touched. Like sometimes I'll go home with a woman and she's like, here, use this. And it's like getting the Master Sword in Zelda you're like, you have no idea how hard I'm gonna slay now. <laughs> but like, in all my dildo touching experiences, it had never been like used on a family member, <laughs> especially not one that I taught the alphabet to. So I was just like, you know, the heart race and I'm looking down and the dildo looked a little messed up, but it was sitting like on the drain. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it there for him to find. And uh, I washed my hands really good. And then I actually still I finally talked to my brother about this a couple months ago and he laughed and he was okay with it. And I didn't break his dildo. And uh, I love him very much, and everything is good now. Thank you very much.
2: Yep. So that was a story about Nate and his brother's dildo. Um, Those of you that brought your parents, you're welcome. Kate. Um, Everyone else, I know you have a lot to think about. And I know that coming up with really heartfelt questions, given the tough material, fascists, dead nuns, BDSM, speaking in tongues, again, Nate's brother's dildo, um, it's gonna be tough for you. Maybe you're on a first date, but I want you to really dig deep. Because I want this interrogation round to live up to my wildest dreams, okay? So I'm gonna give you 10 minutes, drink up, be honest, and we'll see you back here.
1: Perfect Liars Club.
2: So this is the part of the podcast where someday, once we're more famous, you'll hear ads. But for now, we're just going to tell you what's up with us. And there's a couple things coming up. Uh, number one, we have t-shirts available for purchase, and for our storytellers, are going to get them free starting next year. And coming up in March, we're going to have a special show featuring all New York City storytellers. So far, we have Vanessa Valerio, Sandy Marks, and Gaster Almonte, three super, super, super funny people. And I know someday I'm going to email someone else and get them to come.
0: <laughs> and as someone that was born and raised in New (laughs) York. I am really looking forward to that show. And you're going to host it. I am? Yeah, well, it's your turn. Okay, great. Oh, yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. It is. I am appearing in Story District's annual Sucker for Love show this year, February 10th at the Lincoln Theater in beautiful Washington, D.C. That lineup uh, at the show is going to feature a host of storytellers that you have seen or heard from Perfect Liars Club, and it's the annual Valentine's show. So if you are in the area and have a date or need a date, come to that show.
2: All right, friends, now we're coming up upon the crux of the Perfect Liars Club show. This is our, as we say in the biz, differentiator. It's our value proposition. It's what makes us different. It's what makes us cool. It's the interrogation round.
0: People come from miles around just to participate in our Perfect Liars Club interrogation. And in this particular show, boy howdy, do people have questions. Well, who wouldn't? And here's some questions that you might hear themes about. Did Kate really break all those bones? Did Nate really grab that dildo? Did Rachel speak in tongues? Did Meredith take off her boyfriend's ball gag after (laughs) humiliating him? (laughs) We know you want to know the answers to these questions and we're so rich. (laughs) So fertile. (laughs) So many questions to be had. So coming up next, here it is, the interrogation round.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you chose to be at Perfect Liars Club. Anybody get it? No Hamilton reference? No? No, nothing. Okay. That's fine. Storytellers, let me see your pretty faces up here on stage. Please welcome to the stage, Nate. Rachel, Kate, and Meredith. Okay, guys, who has got the first question? We can start off easy. Don't be intimidated by that terrible pep talk I gave you before the break. Oh, yes, in the back, yes. Kate, what did you change in your bone harvesting technique that le- allowed you to stop breaking the bones of the massacred socialists?
3: Um, so the first couple of days we were uncovering the bones, so like, you didn't know where they were going to be, so I ended up like, inadvertently like, kneeling on a lot of bones. And then like, the last day, everything was uncovered, and you just had to like, very carefully like, pick them up and put them in a labeled bag. Um, so I didn't inadvertently crush any. What,
2: what was the bag labeled?
3: It was labeled with the number of the corpse so that they could like keep track to like t- know like which DNA they had tested. So like they wanted to keep all the corpses separate so that they could identify them.
2: So there wasn't there wasn't like a femur bag. So That would be weird. <laughs> okay. That's that's what I was picturing. I was like,
1: <laughs>
0: I got oh. a tibia. What did you get, Kara? <laughs>
2: oh, it's an ulna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, right there. Are you are you are you referring to your notes sir notes.
1: That makes me happy
2: Now, are you referring to your notes so that you th- can pretend that this is someone else's question? Like, do you want her to tell you what a ball gag is, too, because you have no idea? Hold on one second. How was Chris able to just take his ball gag out? Why had you not properly restrained his arms? That's the subtext, right? I got it. I got it.
5: Okay, that was a good follow-up, Kara. Um, yeah, I don't think his arms were restrained. And I do think it was, like, sort of a, a, belt-y, a belty type of ball gag. It's Velcro. I don't, it was not belt, it was belty, like in belt form, but he was like very, very quick about it. So it like felt very fast, but I guess in reality it was slower than actually ripping.
0: Boyfriend's first ball game.
5: <laughs> I think Chris had been practicing by himself. Um, okay.
2: <laughs> I can't even see. Yes. You. Yes. Uh, my question for me. Okay. Uh, how old exactly? Nate, how old were you when Andre came out?
6: I, Okay, so I'm 33 now, and I, I think I was 30 or 31. I don't remember exactly, I'm sorry. He was in high school.
2: Rachel, are you thinking that Nate is the same age that Jesus was when he died? <laughs> yes, all the way in the back, oh yes, Laura. Do you want Rachel to speak in tongues? I'm not sure, based on my extensive research into subcultures, if that's something... Well, it was fake,
4: so you can probably do it on command. All right, yeah. Anonymous first-name pastor that we don't remember. Shabala Homlahila. Shabala Habalahilo. I believe that was approximately it. Um, and if any of you are Jesus, you understood it.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but not Satan.
2: Not tonight, Satan. Not tonight. Yes, right there. Yes, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rachel, if your friend invited you to camp, why did you not sit next to your
4: friend, why did you sit next to the pastor? So before, because we were coming straight from school, like we had like pizza at the church beforehand, and so we were mingling, and I met the pastor at the mingling, and he was like, I wanna get to know you better, and I was like, all right. That seem reasonable?
2: All right. Not really? Oh, okay, all right, all right. Yes, right here in front. Nathan, how did your, how did your, the revelation that Andre was gay? Or the revelation that Nate plays with his dildo in the shower? (laughs) The gay? Okay.
6: Okay. So I'll be honest. They had basically figured it out before he came out. So they were actually like scheming to get him to come out just so there wouldn't be this tension anymore. And then as soon as he came out, they were like, like we accept you no matter what.
0: Boring. I, I love a, a, a tenderhearted family story. <laughs> for the Club. Yes, right here. Uh, this is for Kate. Can you tell us any details about the twenty-four bodies discovered? Was there any DNA test? Like any follow-up information
3: about who they were?
2: That you like, Kate, can you tell us any any more about the bodies that were recovered? Like, did the DNA reveal who they were?
3: Um, So they didn't do the DNA testing on site, so I don't know that they identified who any of the bodies were. They did tell us like most of the bodies don't get identified, Um, so it was 24 people, 23 of them were men, Um, there was one woman, and there was like one guy who was under 18, like based on, yeah, based on his bone size. That's all I know.
2: Yay, spring break! Yes, ma'am. For Meredith, um, what dating site did you, or what app did you meet on? Oh, Meredith, which dating app did you meet him on? You know, it could have been any of them. Um, probably OkCupid, that's like the one that, right? No, you didn't pay for that encounter, did you? I know
5: the answer. I do know the answer, because his name in my phone was Chris Hinge, so it was on Hinge. Yeah, the last name's always the site. <laughs>
2: That is my method, too. No way. That's my method, too. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay,
0: Cupid is a real popular last name. Yeah, I know.
2: It really is. Big family. Bunch of fucking weirdos. Am I right? (laughs) Yes, right here in the blue shirt. Questions for Meredith. What year
1: did you
2: meet this guy again? Oh, are you going to? All right. Meredith, what year did you meet Chris Hinge?
5: All right, so I'm going to be, yeah, no, I, th- that's fair. Like, I moved here in 2012, and I was, and I'm turning 30 now. I, I've already given you more information than you need, but it was beginning of 2015, so I was 26 by then, not 25. So I was off by a few months.
2: Is your question about when Hinge launched? Is that what you're back kidding. Back yeah? They didn't have last names back then. 2016, she said. Sh- oh, 2015, yeah. I don't know. I'm too old for Hinge. Sarah. What's the brand of the shampoo and conditioner? brand of the shampoo and conditioner?
6: Head and shoulder shampoo. <laughs> I genuinely don't remember the conditioner brand. I'm sorry. I, I didn't end up conditioning my hair that day. <laughs>
2: Actually, do men even use conditioner? Why are you reaching for the conditioner? I don't know, that's hmm, kind of weird. Hmm, hmm.
1: As a related question for Nate,
0: why were you reaching for the conditioner with, you said you had shampoo
2: in your eyes and hair, why, why were you reaching for the conditioner with shampoo and still? Oh, that is a very good question. And you know what? Good hygiene for you, you know how showers work. The question is, <laughs> If you had shampoo in your hair, why were you reaching for conditioner? Because just to draw it out for those of you that don't shower, you normally wash the shampoo out first and then condition. That is a, If we were giving prizes for good questions, you'd have my vote.
6: That is a good question. I don't usually get quizzed about my hygiene habits, except with potential lovers. But um, I guess I was just trying to be efficient and... Um, I was, like, I was stealing my brother's shampoo, so it felt sneakier to grab it earlier on than it did to wait until I was done. But I really, I don't have a good explanation. That's just how I did things.
2: Okay. Uh, In the far corner, yes, right there, ma'am. I didn't hear the last... The, could you describe the dildo in, in graphic detail? Yeah. Okay,
6: yes. Nate, why, why don't you do that? Okay, I, hadn't, I didn't have the dildo in my hand for very long, but I have seen it multiple times. It's big and black. It seems very big to me, but I've never put one of those inside of me, so I, don't, I can't tell you if it actually is big. Uh, it seemed very big. Um, it has like a base and some like balls that kind of hang off and are a little floppy. And then like there's the shaft with the vein running up the shaft. Are we timing this? It's. <laughs> uh, I don't know how, what to compare it to except to my penis. <laughs> That's enough, Nate. It was circumcised. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Um, I love that he just pictured his own penis in his mind and then was like, what is the, oh, right, it was circumcised. Thank you. No, thank you, ma'am. You really elevated the discourse here tonight, and we appreciate it. Um, wow, who wants to follow that up? Yes, green shirt. This question's for Kate. Kate? What was your favorite bar What was your favorite, could you, I'm sorry, sir, here at Perfect Life Club, we say Barcelona. Yeah, thank you. Kate, what was your favorite bar in Barcelona?
3: Um, I lived right by Ovella Negra, so I, I really liked... That was a good one. I like that one.
0: Can we ask that guy if he knows that bar? He's going to nod either way. He just
2: nodded with his hand on his chin like, mm-hmm. Oh, that one.
0: The one by the, uh, the 7-Eleven. Yes, <laughs> yes, that one. It's the Siete Once. Oh, of course, Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, did you already ask a question? You did, right? Let's get somebody new. Yes, plaid shirt. Narrow it down. Nate, uh, if your brother came out a couple years ago, why didn't you start off by
1: saying
2: he had just come out? <laughs> Nate, if your brother came out a couple years ago, why didn't you start off by saying he had just come out?
6: That's fair, and I shouldn't have phrased it that way, but um, mo- I was just trying to get you guys to clap to make sure you're like on his side, because... Sometimes if you talk to like a homophobic audience and people are like, ugh, gay." Then it's bad. But you're right. I shouldn't have said just came out. I just was trying to get you guys to clap and be on my side before I started the story.
2: <laughs> Old storytelling trick.
6: Thank you for your honesty. Thank you me. for
2: your honesty. <laughs> yes, ma'am, right here. I have a question for Meredith. Okay. Oh god. What did you
1: do on your first date with Chris?
2: Like which base did they get to? where yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Where did, what did you do on your first date with Chris, and did it foreshadow what was to come?
5: Okay, uh, um, also I think it was 2014 now that I'm thinking about it, but we, okay, relax. There was a bar. <laughs> so, I don't know if this is the first date, it could have been. Um, right Proper Brewery is in Shaw, where I lived at the time, and he lived on, like on New Street. And I do remember us having yeah, having some conversations at Ray Proper Brewery and what was was there additional information I needed to give? Um actually I just started doing storytelling and he was like, You should get out of that. That sounds dumb. So I don't know. It should have been a red flag, I guess, but you know, trying to get that resume built up, so
2: (laughs) Where do you send your sexual resume? I don't know. Mine's just on my Google Docs. Um, okay, nobody ever wants to see it, I Kara me. has
0: shared a file with you.
2: <laughs> no viruses, not a one. Uh, <laughs>
0: Would you like to download
2: or insert in your drive? Or upload, upload, <laughs> insert in your drive, damn. Wow, I'm getting so distracted, I didn't know what I was gonna say. Was it you? You look like you're gonna ask a nice question. Oh shit. Oh yeah.
4: The domination? Well you know, so was questioning about things you didn't like about him and he was like he took his ballgang bag out and they asked you like or was like this is what you really think, how did everything end?
2: Like were you just like, okay, bye? Like was there more discussion? Like did he lose his erection, that kind of thing? Did he fill out a
0: comment card or something like that? <laughs> fill out so an the, online review. The question is
2: Right, you're wondering how long you have to get, like, get out of the house. So the question is for Meredith, after after you told him all the stuff you didn't like about him, like what happened next? How did that, and he took his ball gag out, which does seem suspicious. because why didn't he restrain his arms? Um, what, did, how, what happened
5: after that? Like what was the end game? Okay, um, yeah, storytelling isn't about exploiting people, so I'm not gonna do that, but I think I get out of there pretty, pretty quickly. Um, It was very awkward for both of us. It was very awkward and uncomfortable. Um, I don't know, there was, Kara, I I don't know where to go with this. Yeah, he had a lot of whiskey in the house. We might've had a quick drink before I left, but uh, I got out of there pretty quickly. And yeah, there was some post-coital texting, but other than that, it was over.
2: Were you looking for more of like a practical guide to how to get out of tough consensual situations? See Meredith afterwards. She's feeling a little
0: reticent. BuzzFeed's Um, top five steps for leaving a (laughs) dominatrix session that's gone wrong.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, who's nexty? Yeah, you haven't asked a question yet, right? Uh,
1: Sorry, for Rachel, uh, what songs did Pastor Mark or David or Pope Francis,
2: Benedict, whatever his name was, play by the campfire? Oh, Pierce, do you have your recording device available?
0: (laughs) I do. What are, we, what are we doing? Rachel's gonna sing some church songs
1: do for us. We're
0: a sing-along. Hold on, let me set my phaser for video. Joseph at the Battle of Jericho,
2: of the walls share. come tumbling down. Is that, was that one of them? Okay, the question is, what songs did Pastor Mike Dave Jarn sing? And um, our guests would like you to sing them, and so would I.
0: Okay. I would too.
4: So I will say that my, my 30s self doesn't remember that level of detail, but if you're trying to assess my credibility of whether I'm familiar with these songs, I can do a little round of Lord I Lift Your Name on High if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> Lord I lift your name on high. Lord I love to sing your praise. Some of you know this, come on. Everybody. I'm so glad you're in my life. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> I'm so glad you came to save us. If you want like a Jesus guitar session, we can definitely go down. I will say I remember that like the songs also felt like the Canada rule applied where like most of them were very familiar and there were a few that were were new.
2: Like when Catholics try to say the Lord's Prayer at a Protestant church, and you're like, what are you guys doing? They're doing it wrong. They're totally doing They're it doing wrong. It they it add, wrong.
0: add some shit on the end. I don't know. It's, you go to church now, it's You think he needs different. you to tell
2: him that his is the kingdom and the power and the glory? No. He knows? Sing hosanna. Fuck. Sing hosanna. <laughs> wrong. Sing.
1: Alleluia. Wrong.
2: wrong. That's a Trump reference. Did you like it? <laughs> wrong. Okay. Sad. Ugh. ugh. All right. Let's leave him out of this. Um,
0: This show has more dildos (laughs) than any show previously (laughs) in history.
2: It did turn out to be a dirty show. And when I look at the cast, I wasn't expecting it. I got to say. Okay.
0: Good job, Karen.
2: Thanks. Um, Who has more questions? Yes, ma'am. Yellow shirt. Kate, The question is, why would your was it the tour guide? Who, who's ho, ho, Paco? Oh, Paco. That's what I was saying. That's what I was gonna say. If he didn't like Americans, why would he ever even let Americans near such a like sensitive site?
3: Um. So I think he was probably asking himself the same question by the time we showed up. Um. But the year before, they the program I was in had sent one student with them for a whole summer, and he was born in Mexico, so Spanish was his first language, and he was doing this like crazy like undergrad like combination like work on his MD at Brown while he was an undergrad, and so like that went amazingly well, and like Juan Ho, our program director, was like super checked out and was like, this student did great, I'll send four more students, but like he didn't have any Latin American medical prodigies, so he like sent four four American history majors, I like, didn't realize that like those weren't equivalent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who hasn't made that mistake? Yes, with the glasses right there. Meredith, what
0: was your safe word?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, oh. Meredith, care, what care, was care, your-
0: Kara, wait, I need to get this. <laughs> recorded for posterity's sake. You don't mind, Meredith, do you? Say cheese.
2: Meredith, what was your safe word?
5: We didn't have a safe word because we didn't communicate properly like adults should in a sexual relationship.
2: That's actually a very good answer.
0: You know, I read an article in Cosmo that said basically the same thing. Without communication, you know, there's nothing.
2: But it was not about safe words? (laughs) I thought you were going to say something about safe words. Your safe word should be something that's not going to come up in regular conversation, but... It's not gonna make you laugh so hard that it ruins the vibe if you have to employ it. I've heard.
0: Kara, what would you say for thing?
2: <laughs> Oh, you have to buy me dinner to find that out. <laughs> minimum, minimum. Yes, who has a question? <laughs> Are you scared? I'm. Me too, yeah, go ahead. How much did your friend tell you about her church or camp before you went on
4: this trip? So not a ton. Her church had a very like, innocuous name like I now realize they were like assemblies of God or like Pentecostal or something but that wasn't in the title it was something like very generic like Christian life church or something like that so I didn't give it away but she didn't really tell me much she just said it was really fun and then I should go she did not mention <laughs> she did not mention the speaking in tongues for sure
2: my mom once sent me for like four months on a school bus that picked us up every Sunday morning and took us to a church way out in the country I do not know what the church was, who told her she should send us, where it was, what denomination it was. We were Catholic, but my mom was divorced, so not good Catholics. Um, And all I remember about it is that song I tried to sing that you totally stonewalled me on, but I know you know it. And then the guy, every week, he (laughs) ate a goldfish. He swallowed a goldfish. (laughs) It was a good party trick, but it got old after a while. I was like...
0: Well, Jesus was a fisherman. Yeah, it was weird. You know what's crazy though? Like I grew up crazy Catholic too, you know. But then I got super crazy Catholic and started going to retreats and stuff, and my mom, who was the super Catholic and the bunch she's like, oh, that's a little bit too much. Scale it back. Oh really? Scale it back. Plus they have guitars at mass and we don't right. like guitars at mass. Do you think she was afraid because
2: you're sensitive that you were gonna become a priest?
0: Well I was gonna be a priest. Oh. Yeah.
2: Sensitive. It's a euphemism. <laughs> I would love you anyway. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I also got super Catholic for a while, but it's because I discovered boys and I thought I was gonna go to hell. Uh, So far, so good. Um,
0: Yes, right here. So this is a follow-up for Rachel. Um, If you were kind
4: of raised in a household that looked down on Catholics as being un-Christian, how did your parents allow you to go to an Assembly of God slash kind of summer camp?
2: Yeah, if you were raised in a household where even, where Catholics were looked down on as not Christian enough, how could your parents let you go to another denomination summer camp?
4: You're implying that strongly held religious beliefs and neglectful parenting cannot go hand in hand. (laughs) And you are wrong, my friend. I will also say it's deceptive because I'd I'd never, I wasn't affiliated with that church, but the place that we drove to is like an encampment that like lots of churches had been to, and so I'd actually been with our church for an encampment before, and so I think that probably also suppressed any follow-up questions, because it was just like, oh, Mount Lebanon, like it's great.
2: Um, Yes, so we're just about at time. We have time for one more awesome question. Or two Um, mediocre questions. Or two mediocre questions, yeah. I'll take. Oh, don't do your hair unless you want to ask a question stripey Uh-oh. no? okay <laughs> nobody? you guys think you know who did it? oh yes you blue shirt uh, Nate how old is your brother right now? Nate how old is your brother right now? 21 okay one more mediocre question who's got one? who's got one? Did, yeah you right there in the back I'm s- I'm sorry I didn't hear it. I, I don't think. The
0: answer is no. I don't know what just happened, but I don't think I. I think like she it. said,
2: "Did you ever ask me if it was a shower toy or a bath toy?" I'm not sure I get the distinction. I don't really want to know, but you, what well, you don't.
6: I've never asked him
2: that, and I didn't know that was a distinction. All right, yeah. Okay, good. All right, club. I'm going to give you two minutes to think of decide who you think the liar is. I'm going to come back and ask him. We're going to vote. All right. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You guys feel confident that you're where you need to be? Okay. All right, I'm glad to hear that. First, let me give you a little housekeeping business. <clears throat> Number one, uh, I shouldn't miss the top of the show, but I'd like you to know that it is the eve of my BFF Pierce McManus's birthday. That's right. Oh, you he's, guys. He's Leo. He'll be um, a year older tomorrow.
0: Cancer, moon child.
2: Cancer, moon child, whatever. I don't believe in that. Um, but I'd like us all to sing him happy birthday. So why don't oh. we do that? Last year, his girlfriend brought cupcakes. Do not take it as a sign to the health care relationship that she didn't do that again this year. I'm sure everything's fine. <laughs> but she's not here, so we're going to have to sing happy
0: birthday to I you. don't know where she is. I haven't seen her in days.
2: Are you ready? <laughs> One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday peers Happy birthday to you Oh, you guys That was so nice Totally unprovoked, thank you Anyway, if you think that Nate is the liar please raise your hands 33
1: 33
2: for Nate If you think Rachel is the liar, raise your hand 8 eight for Rachel if you think Caitlin's lying about fascists raise your hand six <laughs> and if you think Meredith is lying about ball gags raise your hands okay six. 26 for Meredith mmm Alrighty. so before I reveal um, thank you all for coming. Look for our next show to go on sale. Please take care of your bartenders. Thanks to the beer baron for hosting us. And now, can I get a drum roll, please? Will the real perfect liar please step forward? It's Ra- It's Rachel! I knew you wouldn't get it. See you next time, guys.
0: Thank you.
1: Liars
2: Club. Liars. Perfect Club. Liar. Perfect Club. So it was Rachel. Rachel was a liar. You know, if I were in the audience, I would have thought it was Nate.
0: Yeah. Well, you did not know who the liar was, right? So who did you think it was? I thought it was Meredith. I mean, Meredith is so sweet and innocent. The thought of her putting on or taking off a guy's ball gag, let alone humiliating him in bed, is just hard for me to conceive. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest. <laughs> I mean, all the stories no, are, were great. In, like, it's in a usually, relationship. It's never, it's never going to, it never turns out the way you think it is or the way I think it is because Kara never tells me who the liar is. That's right. Not unless you absolutely have to know. It's on a need to know basis.
2: Um, I just want to say that you've been in a relationship for a long time now and you don't remember what online dating is like. Basically, anyone that you see on OKCupid or Hinge would do those things that Meredith did to you.
0: I'll keep that in mind (laughs) should something (laughs) terrible happen to my current relationship. Good to know. But I'm not in the market for a ball gag quite yet. Well, thanks so much for listening to the latest edition of Perfect Liars Club. Did you guys have fun? We had fun. We always have fun. It's such a good show. I mean, it really is.
2: Special thank you to our storytellers, Nate, Kate,
0: Rachel, and Meredith. Special thanks to the Beer Baron for hosting us every month. And a special shout out to the Black Cat for hosting our one-off podcast launch.
2: Thank you to Ian at
0: Goat Rodeo, without whom none of this would be possible. Well, at least the part you're listening to right now. Special thanks to Perfect Liars Club founders, Roz and Layla, for all your Perfect Liars Club needs or tickets to shows in D.C., London, Tokyo, or Tel Aviv. Go to perfectliarsclub.com.
2: Can we make it a thing where we play Flower of Scotland every time we say Layla's name?
0: Oh, that would be like some sort of like trumpet yeah. blast or bagpipes or bag something.
2: Thing. Oh, Flower of Scotland. I think she would really like that.
0: Oh, most of all, thank you for listening. You make this all worthwhile and hopefully someday someone out there will make both Kara and I really, really famous.
2: Email us, tweet us, Facebook us. We live for your approval.
1: We need your validation. Yes, we do. And we need your love. Yeah, we do. Take care. Bye.